What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shoe Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Landry. I'm your co-host, Tanner Young. Coming to you live from downtown Lafayette, except it's not live, but mere feet away where a couple weeks from now we'll have the Barus Invitational. So we thought no more appropriate guest to have on the show than the one, the only, Daniel Barus. Thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you all. Thank you all for having me. Appreciate it's great it. to have you here. Thank you. So a little bit of context for people. We met, well, I've been following you online for like what feels like forever now, but I think we first met at the SB Jordan 4 release that happened earlier this year. I oh, was yeah, trying to yeah. think. I couldn't remember us meeting before that then. I don't know. Is you there like in the shop one time? I might, might have been. I might have bumped into you in the in the shop in Baton Rouge, but I'm really, I don't know. I definitely remember the Jordan release. That's the first time I remember because I'd come back later in the day after the immediate release. And I knew you from following online, but I walk in and there's a guy shouting at people to do tricks and with a handful of cash. And I was like, that's Daniel Barus. <laughs> but it was like encouraging shouting. You yeah. weren't like, you weren't like yeah, soccer yeah. mom or no, like yeah. dance Exclaim- mom. Exclaiming. They, gave, Exclaiming. they gave me money and they're like, just go give people money to do tricks. And I was like, awesome. Not a bad job to <laughs> have. Stoke them out. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of, I think I hurt myself. Typical. <laughs> Couldn't skate at the moment. <laughs> wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a skate event if you hadn't. Dude, seems that way. <laughs> yeah. So thank you again for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking about a bit of your history with sneakers, skate shops, but also a lot of what you've got going on right now with woodwork. And so mm-hmm. for everyone out there listening, watching that might not know, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are, where you grew up? So my name is Daniel Bruce. Um, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. I was born here. Um, I lived here till I finished high school and then I moved to Baton Rouge to go to LSU and work at the Baton Rouge Ruckus and finished up LSU, then got hired by Volcom and moved out to Austin, Texas, where I lived for five years and traveled like 80% of the time all over the country. And then I got scooped up by another company. While working for that company, I convinced them to let me work remote for a year before that was like a thing. And I convinced them to let me live in a van um, they, they wanted me to like take on the entire Western West coast. And I was mm-hmm. kind of burnt out on flying back and forth from working at Volcom. So I was like, man, how could I do this in a way that's sick? So I just thought of like kind of simplifying life and living in a van. So yeah, over the course of nine months, I convinced that company to like, let me live in a van and work remote hundred percent of the time, bought a van sight unseen. And that was my first woodworking project. And that like, is how I fell in love with woodworking. And then fast forward while living in the van, um, traveling the country, working for that company, that company sold and everybody got let go, including myself. And I needed to decide what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, I had job offers on the table from a few people. I was interviewing with some good companies, um, but nothing was like lighting my soul on fire. So kind of in this like, little limbo state just thinking about what I wanted to do I like woke up one morning at like three in the morning and had this crazy internal pull to bike across the country I'd been like biking around a lot every day I was biking like 20 30 miles a day and I'd go skate skate parks in whatever city I was living in in my van at the time and um yeah dude so like five days later after waking up at three in the morning I left I biked from Denver Colorado mm-hmm. to Austin Texas Jeez. and on that bike ride I just like decided I just thought about what I wanted to do with my life Mm -hmm. and I went backwards I was like if I was a billionaire and I had all the money in the world where I had all the time in the world and I didn't have to worry about time how would you spend your day yeah like what would I do with my time and I thought like skateboarding biking and I want to make cool shit out of wood for my friends and 
kind of fast forward through like, you know, an, uh, another like few life steps. And that's exactly what I do yeah. every day. <laughs> Here you are today. <laughs> yeah. Man. So, and now I'm just like at the point where I'm just like, okay, I can do I, like in a selfish way, I'm good. Like I can do me for the rest of my life, but that's not satisfying. I'm like, how can I get to a point where I can create opportunity for the ones that I love and make it to where they can do what they want to do? So that's the mission I'm on now. Um, along the way, I'm trying to, I realized that like I left Lafayette because I didn't think that there was opportunity here and it wasn't cool as a kid. So I have this like weird socioeconomic responsibility that I feel to make Lafayette cool. So that's like everything encapsulated with what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing is I feel like in those two minutes, in that 120 seconds, you've lived like five lives that we could do five yeah. different episodes Absol- on right here. I feel like it, dude. Yeah. I feel like uh I feel like I've lived more than the average person my age for sure. Yeah. Um I've crammed like I have this this like crazy fear that I'm gonna wake up when I'm sixty and feel like I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. So like I just try to do and do and just do and squeeze do. it all in. Got to make it happen now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like pretty terrible at relaxing and slowing <laughs> down. Like I'm, it's like an issue sometimes. I'm actually horrible at it. Um, my lady helps me like chill, but like if I'm by myself, like my head is like, dude, you're you're blowing it. You got to be like doing something. Yeah, <laughs> got to stay busy with something. Yeah. Like so. you said, when you're 60, you'll have all the time to do nothing. No, dude, right. I, I don't think that's going to go away. I think I'm going to wake up at 60 and be like, bro, I can't wake up at 80. And then just, like, just be like going. And, you know, maybe, I don't know. It's like a, uh, it's a, both a blessing and a curse, a superpower and a weakness, I would say. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of experience in there. And, um, yeah, any one of those, like, topics, I could, yeah, you know, I have, like, literal, like, that year I lived in my van or year and a few months I lived in my van. Insanity. I t- mm-hmm. Dude, it felt like it was five years. Yeah. It really felt like five years. The longest year of my life. Um, because, like, think about it. Like, you know when you're young, like, time moves slowly? Mm-hmm. You're like, dude, sixth grade, whole chapter. It was like nine months, dude. Yeah. Well, the reason for that, there's an evolutionary reason I learned. Um, and I use it as, like, a life hack. So when you're young you're you don't know what you don't need to pay attention to you don't know what you don't you can ignore so your brain processes everything your brain functions just like a computer and like think about it you're on your laptop and you open up 20 tabs what's going to happen to your computer yeah it's going to it's going to run bogging down and slow it's going to run slowly because it's got more information to process mm-hmm. yeah. well dude life's the same way your brain's the same way when you're young everything's new you don't know that you don't need to worry about that dead end street on the right. You don't mm-hmm. know that you can ignore the Gordon McKernan sign. <laughs> you can't the though. Hundredth time. You want you know? to, but you can't. You, you don't know that. So like your brain sees it all and it takes it in because mm-hmm. it's all new. Well, that's the secret. That's the key. So like if you experience new, your brain doesn't know that it like, yo, I don't need to look to the left because that's a dead end street. So you look to the left and you process it. Well, every day that I lived in my van, was a totally like it was an adventure. Yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Every day. Like I'd wake up in the morning in a new city, and I'd be like, "Okay, where do I? Where's the gym that I can go shower at? Mm-hmm. Never been there before. Got to right. figure that out. Okay, yeah. where's the new skate park? Like, okay, yeah. I got to go see these accounts that I never met. And it was just like that for a year straight. And yeah. like literally every day was just jam packed full of newness and experience. New. Yeah. So that whole time, just in that one piece of like the you know yeah. whatever, 
felt like five years. And now I like, I like use that. I'm like, okay, cram as much new shit into my life as possible Mm -hmm. and slow it down. And what happens is like, dude, we're not even through this year yet. And this year, this year feels like three years. Yeah. I've just done so much just in the last like seven, eight months. Yeah. It's been nuts. So yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's also one of the reasons why I was so excited for you to come on the show. Because I remember when we talked at the Jordan 4 event, I think you were the first to admit, you were like, I'm not the biggest sneakerhead. Like, I'm not yeah. up to date keeping up with everything. And I was like, that's fine. Because from my view, w- watching you on social media, there's so many people that I think would, you know, probably categorize themselves as an entrepreneur, a multi-hyphenate, a jack-of-all-trades, whatever you want to call it. But to me, what's so interesting about you is I feel like you're one of the few people who, if I look at every aspect of what you're doing in a vacuum, whether it's woodworking, skateboarding, biking or something like that, if I look at it in a vacuum, that could seem like what you're doing full time. Mm. And so I think that's That's what's so interesting to me is that you have your hand in all these different projects, but it's not like you're kind of casually doing each one. You're doing each one with such full commitment and dedication. That's that's like, again, like the... uh superpower and uh and weakness like yeah yeah. i don't know how (laughs) it's like it's why i can't ever touch like hard drugs it's like i'm zero or a hundred you'd be the best at it that's why Uh, you need coffee at 5 40 in the morning yeah we need the coffee shops to open because i i have to pack everything into 14 hours Yeah. yeah i well yeah i really do i i'm i don't know how to like i'm zero or a hundred dude and it's it's one of the reasons like I was talking with a friend the other day and uh, he, he just, he's been skydiving a bunch and I have a, another friend who's, who's been doing it and, not, and now does wingsuits. Shout mm. out, shout out Draco from here. He said, there you go. But um, I was like, man, that'd be so cool. But I literally don't have the capacity for another passion. Yeah. To squeeze <laughs> I was like, I need to in. stay away. Like yeah. certain, I'm like, I can't dude. Like I, I already like just cram yeah. my life so full mm-hmm. to try to just juice as much out of this lifetime yeah. as possible. I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't want to wake up one day and feel like I didn't do enough. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I really want to live as much as possible. And, and it's wild. The more that I do and the more places that I go mm-hmm. and the more people that I meet, it's like, it's not like it satisfies it. It makes it more where I'm like, holy smokes. There's it's like wood in the fire. There's so much yeah, more there's out here. There's so much yeah. more shit I need to see. There's so many amazing people out there I need to meet. There's mm-hmm. so many cool things to do. It's like, I don't know. It's a weird conundrum yeah. that I find myself in. So. Taking it back a step, is there anything in your childhood that you sort of can look back and attribute that dedication and passion to? And in any part, do you play that to skateboarding? Because Cut. when I think about it, skateboarding as a sport is one of those ones where you've got to be so full send and commit and get willing to get knocked down 99 times to land at once. Yeah. I think, um, I remember my dad telling me this story. Like my dad loved baseball. He was just like great baseball player. He's super good athlete when it comes to like baseball and running. And, um, I remember like every night before bed, he'd like, I'd be like, dad, tell me a story. And he'd like, tell me some story from his life or whatever. And he told me, he told me this story. I remember when I was real young about, um, going to he came here for college came moved to Lafayette for college he's from New Orleans and he goes to try out for baseball for college baseball and dude he walks up to the field and he saw everybody playing he was like dude these guys are too good and didn't try out oh wow he didn't try out he like yeah. walked away and then he played baseball like in like pickup leagues and church leagues and shit like mm-hmm. that like for years but 
that was like kind of the end. And um, in a weird, crazy way, like I didn't even know it until a few years ago once I was like conscious enough to like realize like think back things. on it. Yeah. Reflect. That how much that affected me. Like I was like, damn, dude, like don't ever let some fear stop you. Yeah. So like sure. that is something that's driven me. Like, you know, like if I'm afraid of something, I almost like run to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause I'm like, yo, like I don't want to be afraid of this. Like, well, and I would say that's evident in like, a 30 second clip of you at a terminal takeover, like dropping it off a 12 foot kiosk. I was like, scared busting of that. your head. Yeah, I know. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. Leo can attest to it. Like I got up there and I was like, this I don't awesome. know guys. I was like, it. this, yeah. this looked, this 13 feet looked lower than when. Yeah. 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 Leo's yeah. looking up at you like clips rolling, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm running out of storage here. We got, was, we got to make the, uh, we got to make the highlight. Yeah. yeah that, was, the highlight. that was sketchy, man. Um, that was a whole nother thing. But. I mean, but like you said, like with the whole, like attack things or fear, like, I feel like a lot of times you have that fearful moments for new things, which again, just a test of what you're saying, like always trying to find that new. Usually if you're afraid of something, it's because it's new. You yeah, don't have you the don't confidence. You don't know mm -hmm. what sure. it is. You don't know how you're going to perform. Uh, and I do feel like a lot of people have that uh, fear of failure, but kind of how like Ryan said, I feel like with skateboarding, you have to, there really is no fear of failing because failure is a part there's definitely the process, it's process. definitely there i'm like yeah with just, woodworking as well you have to make the mistakes to be like that's not how that happens for sure and changing that mindset of if you incorporate error into the learning process making mistakes having that fear is a part of mastering something it changes your outlook on those opportunities um and it's not until i guess you you like you said you have those reflections of like fear took over and what could have happened with this moment and being like, Hey, I don't want to lose what happens. I would rather know the outcome, whether I failed at it completely or moved into a new mastery. At least I had that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I just I don't want to like, I'm okay to, to fail. I'd rather fail mm -hmm. yeah. than fail. I'd rather fail from trying and just failing yeah. than fail because I didn't try. And, yeah. and that is like, I don't know, like that, like the, the fear is all like, there's, you know, a lot of the shit I do is scary, dude. Like, mm -hmm. bike, like, like when I go on these bike rides, like, that shit's scary sometimes. Like, yeah. I'm on like gnarly roads by myself in the middle of nothing, and oh, like, yeah. shit yeah. goes wrong. And it's like, I know shit's gonna go wrong going right. into it. Like, I know I'm about to put myself into these like super challenging situations, mm -hmm. which is kind of it's kind of scary. And with with woodworking, like, you know, the the fear is different. It's like, uh, that's what I do for a living. And mm -hmm. like, so, some of these projects take me like months, like yeah. months and months and months, and if I make a mistake, it could set like, okay, like this is a perfect example. These are these shelves that I mm -hmm. did. These were supposed to be installed in January. Yeah. Leo, Leo knows I made a mistake on these and had to restart like wow. two months into the process. And that pushed my entire project list back. Right. Exactly. So oh, it yeah. wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just like, okay, no, just like I had one. like multiple clients that I had to explain things to and deal with. And yeah. it's like, yo, that's always prevalent. And it's not like somebody came and was like, no problem. Here's more money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, shit. Okay. Like I got to push everything back, deal mm -hmm. with, you know, clients that could be upset Yeah. and so, you know, like deal with the financial uh, repercussions, repercussions of this, yeah. you know? So like, but I just, I'm more afraid of letting fear stop me. Like I won't let fear. I'll like eat that shit, dude. Like if I feel fear, I'm like, all right, then that means I got to do this. Cause it's like, I can't. And that goes back to like, there's part of that like story that my dad told me, like my dad was so sick, like 
that one story though shaped a lot of my life. And then you mentioned skateboarding, like, dude, skateboarding was. I played whenever whenever I was really young. I um I wanted to be a commercial shrimper, and then I started playing hockey. Where did you Where did you grow up? Huh? Big Forrest Gump fan? No, no. I've never met anyone that says I wanted to be a commercial shrimper. Dude, I love shrimping. I'm going shrimping this coming Saturday with my brother. That's so interesting. You you grew up in Lafayette? Yeah, yeah. But I used to spend every summer at my grandfather's house, and he lived on the water in Irish Bayou. And he lived like pretty much 100% off the land. He had a crazy garden, and anything that we ate involved some type of like wild game or seafood that he hunted or killed. So like- and I, I used to spend all summer, like I'd get out of school and they, my parents would drop me off there and I'd go do stuff with them. And I, I love shrimping, dude. I love it. <laughs> so I, when I was really young, I wanted to be a commercial shrimper. And then I discovered, um, I, I was playing like baseball, t-ball and I was really good at it, but I was, it was so boring to me. I'm like, dude, you're just waiting for this fucking ball. Like, <laughs> I want to do shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd be like, out in the outfield sometimes, and I'd be like, please hit this hit ball. Way. Like, yeah, please, you know? No one yeah. pimping 90 mile an hour slot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a pop fly to first. Got it. And he's just booking it across the field. I wanted that, you know? And then uh, then I found hockey, and I played hockey from like five. Once I found hockey, I was like, I don't want to play baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. I played hockey from like age five to 11. Mm-hmm. And I love that, because like, even if you don't have the puck, you're still moving. Right, that's you're still true. skating, you know, still, still doing stuff. But yeah. I'd get home after school and I'd be like, damn, I want to go play a hockey game. But like, it's fucking Tuesday. I don't yeah. have a ride anywhere. I'm right. a kid and there's not a game happening. I'm so eight. I'd like, it's not in my backyard. Yeah. I would yeah. like, you know, like dribble with the puck in my, in my yard. Mm-hmm. But like, I wanted to, wanted more of it. And yeah. then I found skateboarding and it was like, oh, dude. Yeah. You want to go skate? You don't need nothing else. You don't need nobody to bring right, you exactly. in You got a driveway yourself. Yeah. It's constant movement. Anywhere, yeah. anytime. And that was it for me. And like yeah. I found that. And and it was it kind of came from like like dude, we didn't have like I didn't have like other cool shit. Like I didn't grow up in like a wealthy environment or like, you know, so like that's that was it. Like you could take your skateboard out and go outside and like and I don't know, that that shaped me. I mean, dude, since I picked up a skateboard, every single major decision in my life has had skateboarding at the focal point, like yeah. 100% since from the school that I went to, the, to the career that I chose to like everything. It's been like, a through line in all of it. A hundred percent. It's, I don't like, it's, it's like the core of who I am. So mm-hmm. that's like driven every major yeah. decision. And you were just 11 when you got that board from Toys R Us? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy that you know that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you were short, what was it, $2 and your friend's dad, grandpa, had to spot you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's awesome. You know this story well. Yes, yeah, so I was uh, I was actually, like, because of hockey, I was, like, rollerblading, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it mm-hmm. was just a natural True. transition. And then um, Brink had come out, so I was, like, juiced on, <laughs> Woo, I was so juiced better. on, like, yeah. yeah, dude, like, inline skating. And yeah. I, was, I had, I was saving up for a new pair of rollerblades, mm-hmm. um, and my allowance at the time was $2 a week. Yeah. I had $21 saved up. So I'd saved up like the whole summer. I yeah. think I blew like a dollar at the gas station on some little Debbie snacks. I'm not yeah, going to lie. But That's I went ham back, one day. I biked like three, to this, four like, days. Yeah. I biked to the Shell station and like, dude, I went stupid. Because they used to be like a quarter <laughs> back then. I got I like, say, if, if it hurts to hear <laughs> a oh, yeah. dollar on Debbie's. Yeah, I went, I went crazy. <laughs> days I might have been like a dollar 25. Like, I went, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I like. I, I, really I, like, splurged. Yeah. I dropped a bag on that Shell. Zebra sand fudge rounds. Yeah. But, um. So I had like 21 bucks, dude. And my buddy Brennan, he was like, 
we were hanging out and uh, he had gotten a skateboard. He went to Blue Bayou or something like, and he got a Blue Bayou skateboard and then started skating and then he got a real board. And the whole time, like he was skating, I'd be like rollerblading next to him. <laughs> yeah. Like for, I swear, dude, I was like 10, yeah. 11. I was like, be rollerblading yeah. next to him. And then we went to Toys R Us and, and we saw skateboards and, and I had my, I just like brought my whole wad right, with me, yeah. my whole 21 bucks. What I was thinking, dude, like rolling around my whole life savings. The Velcro wallet. You <laughs> but, never uh, know. You never know when you're going to be in a pinch, you know? I used to keep it in a jar. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you I had a the basic jar, jar? <laughs> Buried in the backyard. I'm pretty sure I had the jar in my hands, dude. And uh, we, we called it a rat hole. We like st- There you the, go. Uh, yeah. The, our allowance up there. But um, yeah, he convinced me to buy a skateboard and I had to borrow like, yeah, $2 and some change from mm-hmm. him. And then I came home and it was like this shitty like Veriflex skateboard with like, it did have metal trucks, but it had these like dumb, terrible bearings, like plastic right, wheels. Of it was like kind of convex. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. concave. Well, I mean, a giraffe is building it. You know, I mean, <laughs> give them some slack, man. Yeah. I, uh, I like get this board, dude, and I put it down. And the very first time that I ever stepped on a skateboard, I go to push Mongo yeah. And my friend was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't push like that. So I never did push Mongo, but he taught yeah. me how to push. And but the first time, the very first time I stepped on a skateboard, mm-hmm. this is a true story, dude. I'm super not talented at skateboarding. Um, I just have a gnarly work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> I step on the skateboard and like full banana peeled. Like just oh, yeah. fully banana peeled. Like Charlie from Peanuts with the football. Just- 100%, dude. And there's a way, like every skateboarder knows this, there's a way that you fall. Mm-hmm. Where you hit your lower back like directly mm. on the ground, and it feels like you kind of need to take a shit. Yeah, you can't, but it feels like that's just, the solution yeah. to the pain. But it's not. Yeah. It just it just it's sucks, not gonna solve dude. anything. Yeah. Every every single skateboarder can attest. If I could to this. just crap my pants right now, dude. That was the very first experience I had on a skateboard, and I was like, dude. Yeah. Okay, I guess I I like it was like annoying how bad I was, mm-hmm. and uh, but that was like what I was like, okay. You know, once I learned, I got on it again and, and pushed and didn't fall. And I was like, okay, that was progress. Mm-hmm. That little bit of progress, that like self-progression. Yeah. That's what, that's what did it for me. Like, yeah. That's what did it for me. So, and it started like immediately, like self-progression. That's mm-hmm. what, yeah. So you start there, you end up for over a number of years, you just continue skateboarding. You end up working at McDonald's to buy your first skateboard and a flip phone, of course, as everyone knows, the lore goes. Yep. From there. First job was Mickey D's. First job was Mickey D's. Yeah. Right here on Johnson Street. Mm-hmm. Shout out. There you go. <laughs> yep, dude. Me and We're going to uh, dox you by the end of this <laughs> yeah. episode. Dude, this is crazy. Yeah. Your we, address is in the comments by now. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, we got it pinned. Yeah, yeah. First job was McDonald's. Um, I worked there with my friend Hunter Patsky and my friend Eric Ryan. And we were, we were all skating together every day and filming and, like, making videos and me and Hunter, we used to like, dude, in our non-slip like work shoes, like on our breaks, we'd go outside. There's a gap at that McDonald's. Oh, okay, sick. <laughs> and we'd go skate it, dude. I've yeah. like kickflip that gap in some non-slips before. I, for know, sure. I mean, it, it, if the grease on the floor ain't getting yeah. you, you're it's you kind of gnarly how much the grease fucks with your grip, like your grip. I'm sure, it's yeah. like, dude, it's. They're non-slip on cement. They are super slip on grip tape. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't translate. Like I don't know what what it is. Like the 
the science behind it, but it was slippery as <laughs> it's, fuck. It's just so the like, man trying to keep us down. That's, <laughs> exactly, that's yeah, what for it sure. Is. I also love how like I can piece together your age at this point, and it's not in the '90s, but this is the most '90s story I've ever heard. Where it's like we worked at McDonald's and skated on our lunch break. I'm like, I didn't see that Disney special, but I did love Brink. Um, yeah. yeah, was that the '90s? No, dude, that was the 2000s, early 2000s. It'd have to be unless you were doing child labor. Which, yeah, no, yeah. that was like I didn't read that part of your bio, but maybe man, did that you, was like '03 or something. Yeah. Did you you had to have made a clip with the with the, the razor flip phone tucked into the waistband? Because if you didn't... Dude, I'm- I didn't have a razor till way after they were really mm. cool. That was like... That was like the rich kids had the razor or the yeah, dudes who sold drugs. Like... Yeah. I... Uh, no, I had like... Were you on the Nokia brick? That's what I was on for the longest parents, time. like... So I never had one personally, but mm. my parents had a brick. Yeah. And like when we were like real young before we had our own phones, like if we went somewhere, we'd take one of our parents' right. phone to like yeah. call it. But like... You could play like snake on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was, uh, there was no texting. Like no. texts were like a dollar. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. that was crazy. I know. Bro. Yeah. Like, so it was nights and weekends and you'd wait to call your friend. Like, oh yeah. 6 after PM. eight. After yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You get yeah, like yeah. unlimited yeah. after yeah, yeah. a certain time. And I was too young to be worried about a phone bill. Yeah, At, exactly. Right? Yeah. I, it was just, it was cool. Cause it was like literally just a tool for communication. Right. Not like, oh, yeah. like yeah. now I'm like, living your life you know, on, it. on it like yeah. all the time you know so um but but yeah never had a brick dude that's funny <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward from there then how does when does ruckus come into the picture of you working there because you were just telling us before you started working at this shop i started yeah i started working here when i was like 16 or 17 i think 17 but um ruckus came into the picture when i was 13 years old like uh i was 13 and it's so funny. Like, I don't think I definitely haven't told this story in public, but um, we had, we had, at 13, we had like made like by then, we, it's kind of crazy. My friend Eric Ryan was like super, he's still a filmmaker, but he's not doing skateboarding shit anymore. But growing up, like, he just wanted to make, like, one day we were skating and he borrowed his dad's video camera and he was, he was like, yeah, I'm going to film us and make a skate video. And I was like, okay, cool. And we went skating the next day. And then the next day he shows up to school with a VHS. And he like in that one day he wow. made a skate video. Yeah. It was crazy. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> of just like us well, skating around the neighborhood that and day. And especially at 13, that's wild. No, dude, we were, I was like 11. Oh, even. Point. Okay. Gotcha. I was like yeah. 11 or 12. Still, I was super yeah. young, you know, yeah. and, and uh, it was crazy. And then fast forward, we had made a few videos and my friend Hunter he came to school one day and was like, dude, Ronnie Hoon's ruckus. We were in there showing the video and he was like, Oh, who's that kid? He's sick. Like he saw me skating and I was like, Whoa, like I could ride for this. Like, I was like, Whoa, I could be sponsored by ruckus and ride with those guys. Like I thought that was crazy. That is. Yeah. So I went home and like, as an excited kid, I told my mom. Yeah. I was like, mom, I was like, it's so cool. The owner of ruckus, he saw, he saw my video and he thought, it was good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe like one day I could skate for him. And he's, she was like, what does that mean? I was like, we well, get discounts and like, you just like represent the shop. And yeah, she was like, dude, my mom was like coupon. Like she's a hustler, bro. Oh, like she was okay. a hustler. So she, she just discount, that. it's like <laughs> discounts. Like discount, yeah. she saw that because now she's we, out there with the VHS. She like. was, dude, my mom is such a G like she, like she knows how to like exist off of like nothing if she needs to. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully not the case anymore, but like mm-hmm. at that point she, that's what she saw. So yeah, dude, like I asked her if she could bring me to ruckus like the next day. Cause Ronnie used to come in every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So she said, yeah. And she brought me and I was going to get a pair of shoes. And my mom was like, 
you should ask Ronnie for a discount. And I was like, no, I don't want to ask him for a discount. She's right. like, no, ask him. It's not going to hurt to ask. And yeah. I was like, I did not want to. Mm-hmm. My mom was like. Especially as a kid. Yeah, I was ask like. ask an adult for anything dude, is like I felt so yeah. terrifying. So, and my mom was like, Daniel, ask him. And I was like, yeah. okay. So we go to check out and I told Ronnie, I was, I was like, I just asked him for a discount. And he was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm, yeah, my okay. worst fears so coming and, true. Uh, and he was like, no. He was like, what? Well, and I was like, well, I thought, like one of you those know. memories where you look back and all of a sudden there's like twelve kids pointing and laughing at you, like, ha ha ha. Nobody ha. was like yeah. like that because it was like it wasn't like you know like right. super, there was a bunch of people there, but it wasn't like nobody was in my business, you know. So they <laughs> didn't know, but like I was. <laughs> Dude, I was so embarrassed. And I was like, okay. He's like, why? And I was like, well, they told me you liked my video. Yeah. And dude, I was, like, I, did, I was but... like, on the inside, I was just like, oh. Yeah. So, dude, the next week, I went back there with my friends without my mom. Mm-hmm. And I, like, sidebarred Ronnie. And I was like, hey, man, can I talk to you? Like, I'm a 13-year-old kid. Right, yeah. So, it's like, I'm at, and he, at the time, he's like 32. Right, yeah. So, like, imagine a 13-year-old kid sidebar. <laughs> like, can I talk to you? And he's I'm like, like, hey, am I in trouble? I was like, Ronnie, can I talk to you for a second? He was like, yeah, man. And I was like, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm really sorry for asking for a discount. I was like, I did not want to. I was like, my mom, like, pressured yeah. me to. And I'm sorry. I was like, I did not want to. Yeah. And he saw, like, the. that's whenever he saw, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, this kid's kind of cool. Like, yeah. that, like, <laughs> yeah. before that, I was just like, but he, like, the fact that I, like, sidebarred him and, like, yeah. communicated with him. Yeah. He thought that was the coolest. So, like, from that moment on, Ronnie kind of, like, he was like, oh. And then, yeah, I start, he would, like, kind of take care of me at the shop. And then whenever I was, like, 15 or so, he was like, dude, in a year, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be riding for the shop. And I was like, whoa. He told me that at Quiznos one day over lunch. And I was like, whoa, dude. That's It was, like, the most, like, you couldn't gas me up more. I was like, all right. And then, you know, sure enough, like less than a year later, he had this like at the uh, the old ruckus. Um, it, would, it used to be on Congress down the street from Lafayette High uh, next to Papa John's. Um, like less than a year later, dude, did, like, it was cool. He did like a real like welcome thing. We had like the oh, whole man. team in, in the shop and like yeah. he gave us all like some money to spend for Christmas in the shop. And yeah. he was like, all right, y'all, I just, just want to let y'all know. He's like, he, he put me, my friend Christian Willis and our friend Kool-Aid on the team at the same time. Shout out Kool-Aid. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was so cool, dude. Like, it was mm-hmm. the coolest shit. Like, I don't know. Yeah. As a kid, like, uh, it couldn't have, it was tight. Yeah. So, start, you know, I was, like, around for years and mm-hmm. then started riding for him at a young age. And then my friend Casey Mommer, he was running the shop at the time, the Lafayette shop. And I was, I was just, like, in the shop every day. Like, I'd get out of school, like go to the shop, you know what I mean? And just, we'd meet up there before we go skate, just like any other city. So I was like always around and Casey got to know me. And then he asked me if I'd want to work at the shop. Like I was kind of, I'd go there and I would just be like bored. And I'd be like, y'all need me to take out the trash? Like, yeah, just do something. Just do something. Like yeah. I was just trying to help. Like yeah. I just loved it. I loved it. So um, you didn't want to be in the field waiting for the pop fly to come to you. Like I was just trying to just be active, you right. know, and be proactive. And then Casey asked me if I wanted to work there. And I was like, dude, yeah. Yeah. And um, started working. And then it got to a point where like Casey left and I was like running it. You were there. Yeah. yeah. And I was like 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. But I was like doing the drawer and like helping okay. put up inventory and like, you know. Bigger responsibilities for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then. I finished high school and then I wanted to go skate in Baton Rouge. Like I didn't care about 
the school, honestly, but I had tops so I could go anywhere in Louisiana for free or mostly free. My tuition was covered. Um, so I was like, yeah, I want to move to Baton Rouge and go skate with the ruckus dudes out there and go skate Centriplex and like, you know, hang out with these dudes. Um, so I moved out to Baton Rouge and went to LSU like solely to skate, skate with the ruckus <laughs> yeah. guys. And then, uh, yeah, like fast forward, worked there throughout college. There was like nine months that I didn't work there because whenever I moved to Baton Rouge, um, there was a few dudes working there, Tater and Michael Bro and um, I forget who else, a handful of dudes that just like had been there longer. So they couldn't cut their hours to give me more. Right. Okay. So I was working like one day a week and yeah. I I needed more money. So I started work. I had to stop working there for a little while and go work at this this Mexican restaurant called Serrano's. Mm -hmm. And then at like at some point, Ronnie, like it was the summer after my freshman year, I was on crutches. I had had my first knee surgery. Mm. He was like, dude, can you come back? Can you come, can you come work, you know, come work for me? I'll make sure you get enough hours. He's mm -hmm. like, I need you. Um, he's like, I need somebody who gets it and a hard worker. And he's like, I know you got it. So yeah. he promised me enough hours. And then it was, you know, and he was like, dude, you can come back. And he's like, I know you want to be in the skate industry. He's like, we, you know, he's like, if you work, he's like, that's your, you can make it happen. So that's what I did. Throughout college, I worked at Ruckus and then built relationships with with brands and and people in the industry. And then right after college, I got like my dream job, got scooped up by Volcom. And then, you know, whatever. <laughs> and you said you were there for five years at Volcom? Yeah, yeah. So I, I got hired at Volcom maybe a little more than five because I got hired in mm -hmm. like June or July of 2012. Mm -hmm. And then for six months, like he, they wanted me to move to Austin, Texas. Okay. I was down to move anywhere. I was like, I don't yeah. care. Dude. I'm down yeah. to do anything. Like I'm not tied to nothing. Um, but I told them, I was like, I'm down to go wherever, but I was like, I have to like make sure ruckus is taken care of. Like, mm -hmm. I can't just like mm -hmm. dip out. So I was like, I'll work for you for six months. I was like, I'll, I need to be here for another six months to make sure they're fully taken care of. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I got hired in June and dude, I'd be one week on the road with Volcom, one week home at Ruckus. Damn, I did that for wow. six months. And then at the end of that, January 1st, 2013, <laughs> dude had my whole life in a Penske truck with my car on a trailer in the right. back. It's the scariest drive ever. So I'm like, <laughs> literally everything I own, if I wreck is here, Yeah, everything I own, like, yeah. which wasn't much, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's what you had. It's yeah. what I had, bro. And yeah. yeah, I moved to Austin and, um, I didn't know anybody there, which I was actually really excited about because mm -hmm. I'd gotten to a point living in Baton Rouge where I was like, I felt like, no you know, matter everyone. Yeah, I felt like I knew yeah. everyone. I was like, no matter where I go, I know exactly what's going to be there. Right. Yeah. The newness had, there was no newness kind anymore, it felt like, you I know. Um, so I was excited for that and then went to Austin and, yeah, just like immediately, like I put my shit in a storage unit because I, I couldn't move into my apartment for like another week or so or two weeks. Put my shit in a storage unit. And then the next day, flew out to California and I was there for like a week. And then I flew to Denver. I was in, uh, Keystone, Colorado, doing a snow clinic for like a week. And then I went to like West Texas or something and then back. And it was like, I had like two days home, moved in, hit the road again. It was just like that, like for like five years, dude, I was traveling 80% of the time. I was loving it though. Like I was loving it. I'm like, whenever they hired me, my, my starting salary was like 24 grand. Yeah. So, and I'm living in Austin. So it was like, yeah. That's I was going broke, nowhere. dude. But yeah. Yeah. when I was on the, when I was on the road, I had an Amex. Oh, and a there you go. I'm like, dog, I'm trying to eat. I'm not I'm broke. trying to eat. I'm always like, on the road. Send me on the fucking road, yeah. dude. And dude, my, <laughs> that first year of working at Volcom, I put 50,000 miles on my car. 
Wow. 50,000. Yeah. And I bought a brand new car. Ooh. I had this like 1995 or 1990, I think it was 95 Chevy S10. Mm-hmm. And that, that got me through college and like almost like symbolically, like weeks after I graduated, yeah. like, I was driving on yeah. a blue bonnet one day in Baton Rouge. <laughs> And the truck just died. Just done. Yeah, well, just like I'm driving, bro. Yeah, like I'm yeah. not, I didn't hit nothing. <laughs> I'm just driving and it goes. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, that boy. My dad came, he drove in from Lafayette. Mm-hmm. He had his like tool bag and we like pushed it off to the side in this parking lot. Mm-hmm. It's like a rug store or something. Yeah. And we tried to fix it. And my brother-in-law came and he tried to fix it. He's a super gnarly mechanic and he was like, yeah, this is done. Done. Yeah. And then I got my car. I was like, you know, whatever. Fast yeah. forward. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing a lot of traveling for Volcom. And then mm-hmm. was it originally you kind of got burnt out on the traveling and that's why you took the other job? Is, is it Grand so, X? Brand X? Grand X. Grand yeah. X. It was like polar opposite. So whenever I started at Volcom, once I got hired, it was like every month, once a month, I got a job offer. Um, and I told, I didn't even listen to them. I didn't care. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm exactly where I want to be. This is exactly what I'm, what I want to be doing. Um, I loved the environment at Volcom. And then I like fast forward a year, I was making $24,000 a year. So I was like struggling, like if I was home, cause I would yeah. dude my, my checks were 1567 a month. My rent was 800. My car net was 400. My insurance was 170. My utilities at my, my apartment were like 150. I had like 120 to maybe 200 bucks a month to spend on food, entertainment, yeah, yeah. and gas. So you're it was basically like, traveling to live and working to have a place to go to 100%. when you're not living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, dude, like I remember calling Ronnie so many nights, and I'd be like, <laughs> he's like, "What you doing?" I'm like, "Ground beef tacos, baby. <laughs> Pound of ground beef was a dollar eighty-eight. Rice and beans. No, it was ground beef tacos yeah. with just meat and cheese." <laughs> I also learned that you can't like invite a girl for tacos and make that for her. <laughs> Just the grubby. Yeah. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> she, <laughs> no chips fly. and salsa. It's a different story, but yeah. like, yeah, I learned. Damn, like, no, she, yeah. she walks in, opens the fridge, not even a, especially, no a sour cream. Especially not a girl from Texas. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like fits. living in Austin where like the, arguably the best tacos yeah. exist in the world or some of them. And I invite this girl over to my house. I'm like, yeah, you want to come eat tacos? <laughs> Dude, He's mission. like, but wait, watch this. He rips open the dollar packet of taco seasoning and dumps it in. It's like a hundred Gordon Ramsay over there. It was, yeah. a, it was, it was ground beef, mission tortillas, not heated up or toasted. Of course. Shredded cheese and salsa verde. I mean, look, you, yep. you bought tortillas. You already had the white bread in the, in the pantry. You could have just, <laughs> I Dude, it was on this date. so bad. Yeah. Me and that girl are, are homies now. Um, yeah. She was not into me <laughs> in that way, but she's my dog. Shout out Chella. Um, yeah, and she, we still like, she'll make fun of me of that sometimes. She's like, dude, that was the worst. <laughs> anyway, that was my go to at the time. Yeah. Like, I was broke, dude. So, yeah, I was like just traveling to, uh, to eat, man. And I, I got like, after a year of that, I asked my boss, I was like, yo, Jeff, I really need a raise. Like, I was like, this is my bill. I'm like struggling, dude. And he was like, okay, man, let me like crunch some numbers. <laughs> and he came back and he's like, all right, dude, here's what I can do. hundred bucks more a month. <laughs> I was like, dude. You could splurge for corn so tortillas at that I was point. Like, I was like, dude, this is gnarly. So I went from 24 to 25 and I was like, I was like, man. And I was I was kind of talking to my friend Rob Koenig, who's a super legendary rep in our zone. Um, and he was, he's like one of my life mentors forever. And 
I was telling him, he's like, you should come work for me. He was doing Ruka. And he's like, you should work for mm. Ruka. He's like, I'll double your salary. He's like, I'll give you um, per diem. He's like, I'll pay for your phone bill. I'll buy you a laptop. I'll pay for your gas and mileage. And he's like, and I'll give you health insurance. And I was like, <laughs> it's kind of like you had me sold on the first like, bullet point, like, but keep right. talking. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. So I was like, I have to take this. And I loved Ruka too. Like I loved Volcom more because of the DNA of Volcom, but like I was into Ruka. And, uh, Dude, I put in my two weeks over at over at Volcom, and I didn't even know like like I'd been to sales meetings a bunch, but like I didn't know that these people knew who I was. But dude, the next day, I get a call from on my phone from a California number, and I answer it, and it was Jason Starris, who at the time was the CEO of Volcom. Okay, and he was like, "Hey, man, this is J Dog over at Volcom," and I'm like, "Whoa, what's yeah. up, dude? Yeah, <laughs> you I know who I am. Yeah, <laughs> how'd you get my number?" And he was like, "Hey, man, I heard um." I heard you, you're going to leave us. He's like, he's like, can you hold off on that and give me 24 hours? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. I was like, sure. Oh, I can't yeah. believe this guy knows who I am. Yeah. That tripped me out. So, yeah. um, my sales manager called and he was like, look, dude, like we view you as the future of this brand and we're going to give you, it's like, we want you to stay here and we'll give you in the, in the future, you'll have Jeff's position. He's like, we'll make sure he's able to retire in a healthy way. But he's like, you're the future of this, this brand. Well, so I was like, okay, wow, I have like a future here. So the next day they called me back and they supplemented Jeff's income and they, they doubled my salary and like paid me mileage and basically matched what Ruka was offering. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I was like, damn. So my life immediately, and they allowed me to start working for Stance Socks because Mm. Stance wanted me to work for them too. So I, I immediately like doubled my salary with Volcom and then was able to bring in another like 10, 12K a year with stance. So I was yeah. like, whoa, this is sick. Like I'm yeah. able to live a little bit. Fast forward, like I was, I knew that in two year, two to three years time, I was going to be taking my superior's position, mm-hmm. hopefully in mm-hmm. a healthy way, not yeah. on some like jaded yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. But um, at that point I'd be moving into like a three to $400,000 salary at the mm-hmm. time. So I was like, okay, this, this is like a way that I can like, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Well, fast forward, like not even a year, the parent company of Volcom decided to clean house and they fired every executive and then brought in all new people. They got rid of a ton of people at Volcom, dude, and it just changed the whole DNA. And at that point, I kind of started to see the, uh, the like light at the end of the tunnel fade. I was like, man, like I was doing better than I was, but I still was like, you know, not like, where not like on a level to where I could create opportunity for somebody or like, you know, do even all, everything that I wanted to do. So at that point, I was like, man, I'm actually the next next job offer that comes my way. I'm going to hear him out. Like I told myself that and like it's just like funny how it happened. Like a couple of days later, I get this call from Matt Cisneros over at Grand X. And he offered me this this job and I listened to him and I was like, man, no, I told him no. Mm-hmm. And he called me again. He's like, what do you want? And I like kind of cool. told him a like, kind of crazy list of yeah. things that I wanted. And um, then they called me back and they offered me everything. They came back with it. Yeah. Yeah. They offered me everything that I asked for. And I was like, shit. I was like, okay, this is not skateboarding. It's like nothing that I'm like, I told right. him, I'm like, look, dude, I'll work for you, but I'm not wearing these goofy clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Like these clothes are not my shit. I was like, yeah, you know. And he was like, it's cool, man. We don't wear them either. <laughs> and that's like what they're making. He's is like, the we clothes? just sell it. <laughs> that's so it was, funny. dude. It was sick. So they were they. It was this. Uh, they owned 
they owned TFM, which was like a user submitted content. Mm, okay. And, and they monetized that. Yeah. They had like a couple million followers yeah. and it was like college humor style content. Gotcha. So that was a cool thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, while working for them, they really wanted me because I figured it out like six months in because they noticed that their number two most shipped to place online was the West Coast. But they oh, had okay. no wholesale accounts out there. And gotcha. once they started looking into who were the wholesale players on the mm-hmm. West Coast, they were like, oh shit, these are big surf shops, yeah. skate shops. Like, yeah. We they were like golf dudes. They're like, right, we can't yeah. walk into these places. But you've got all those connections as well. Kind of, but they looked at me as like this dude can walk the walk and talk. It's relatable. Talk, you know yeah. what I mean? So and I knew how to like like I was selling to Army Air Force, Dillard, mm-hmm. Sun and Ski, like major accounts. Yeah. And then, you know, selling to like little skate shops and little boutiques. So mm-hmm. like I could kind of interface with anybody in yeah, a business. Any sense. level. So that's really why they hired me, I found out. Gotcha. But, I went from 80% of the time travel to working for them. I was 20, 25% of the time travel. And then fast forward like nine months in, they asked me to take on the entire Western half of the U.S., which was like, okay, I could make like serious money, real opportunity, but I got to go back to like flying out once a week. And I was kind of off that. Like I was like, man, I love traveling and I have to travel a percentage of the time, but too much. And it's like gnarly. That burnout. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd kind of like got to the burnout. I mean, I'd done that for five years, dude. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, and I don't know. I was kind of like, like debating on taking the, the position. And I mm-hmm. was like, man, I'm so like happy with where I'm at right, right now. Yeah. Like, I loved where I, what I was doing, where I was, where I was living and my whole life. I was mm-hmm. loving it. But I was thinking about it and, um, I was actually driving back home to Louisiana on like a Friday night and I just crossed in, into Louisiana over the Texas border. And I was thinking about, okay, like if I take this position, I could make a lot more money, you know, and I could like really like make some levels up and do some, do some stuff. And then I was just like, man, what if I just said, fuck it all and just lived in a van, got rid of everything, had like 10 shirts and two pairs of pants. I used to fantasize about that. Cause I was, I got to a point where like I had, I mean, I had a budget with Volcom. I was sample size. Like my closet was ridiculous, dude. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was just like kind of gross in a sense to mm-hmm. me. I you got get wrapped to, up in the material stuff. Yeah, yeah, I got to a point where I'm like, I just didn't care about nothing. Like it, mm-hmm. it just, you know, like, and then you, when you go to, you know, I go to Volcom and you'd see like the, just the sample room of stuff that's like probably going to get destroyed. Right. Yeah. It's crazy, bro. Yeah. It's like, and there's, they're a small company in comparison to like Nike or somebody like sure. that, you know? Sure. Anyway, I was like, man, what if I could just like live simply? And I was like, wait, what if I could combine those two? Mm-hmm. I was like, what if I could save the company thousands of dollars by not flying, give them a better representation in the zone, be out mm-hmm. there 100% of the time, use a van as a marketing tool, and yeah. skate parks all over the place, yeah. hang out with my friends. I was like, whoa, dude, dream. this would be sick. And just live super cheap and make way more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I remember calling like my friend Ronnie, and he was with my friend Matt. Matt had just bought his house mm-hmm. and his wife. And I was like, yo, I got this idea. And I told him about it. And then I texted my boss right after that phone call. I was like, hey, dude, can we like talk yeah. Tuesday morning? I was like, can we talk Monday morning? He's like, yeah. And I was like, actually, I'm not going to come into the office Monday. Can we talk Tuesday? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, sure thing. And I went into the, his office and I sat down with Matt and Matt Cisneros. And I told him like, hey, dude, you guys want me to do this. I'm going to be honest. I'm burnt out on traveling, but Mm -hmm. I do want to do this, but I kind of want to do it in this way Mm -hmm. and explained my vision. And it kind of blew me away. He didn't tell me to get out of his office. He was like, 
let's talk more about this. Yeah. He's like, I like this. And it took nine months because it took them. It was like, I convinced them to let me work remote a hundred percent of the time. Before. And here, not to interrupt you, but it's here's okay. what's crazy to give the context here. This is well before COVID. Like a lot of people listening now is like, oh, you're working remote. This was like the end of 20, this was the beginning of 2017. Okay. Yeah. Like I approached him. Um, Which has got to be a testament in how much they believed in you and wanted you. Yeah, I think so. So To give you that leeway. um, So he like over nine months, like we had to meet like with like CFO, CEO and like come up with plans. And like, basically like I had to just tell them the vision and then build like a whole like shop list and all this like, you know, this back end stuff. And then they gave me the green light. And two weeks later, dude, like sight unseen, I bought a van online with my yeah. credit card. <laughs> I bought a van uh, out of the Chicago Mercedes Benz. And then like a few days later, flew up to Chicago by myself. And yeah. the first time I drove that bitch was the 19 hour drive from Chicago to Baton Rouge. That's a good way to learn a van though. Hey, you know, it like, was, dude, it was, get very well it? With it. Yeah. it was like, I remember tripping. I was like, I know why they call this place the Windy City. That van was like <laughs> rocking on the interstate. And I was like, damn, this yeah. is kind of sketch. But yeah, I did it. And then uh, I spent like a little under 40 grand on that van. And yeah. then two, two days later, up on the roof with a fucking jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> cutting a hole out. And I didn't know shit. Like, I didn't right. know anything. Yeah. yeah. I was like watching YouTube videos and I was like, okay, like they got like old people and like moms with kids who are like the strongest people on the planet. But in yeah. my head, I'm like, dude, if they could do it, like I could yeah. do this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it was inspiring. They it and out. I, and yeah. yeah. They figured it out. You know, like none of these people are any smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just like, started the process of building out my van and every day I lost track of time every day did I be in my shop and I'd be like oh, I forget to look at my phone because I'm just so like hyper focused on this like damn it's already this time and 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 I, I fell in love with woodworking like I fell in love with it I made stupid mistakes because I didn't know shit I knew what tools did what kind of but I didn't know how to measure I didn't know how to like I didn't know how to do a lot of shit, dude. And just kind of made the mistakes along the way and figured it out, but but loved it. And fast forward another nine months, I was I was living in the van. And, you know, you heard the story earlier. Like, that's where, you know, the whole this company sold. Yeah. Thought back with what I wanted to do. Took this bike ride. But pause for a second. When the whole company sold, I've heard you say before, most people you're out of a job. You're going to be bummed. You're going to be stressed. Oh, you were stoked. I was, I was like, <laughs> you, were, what a, you were so excited. Like, Cause this, I was, I was no job. When he called yeah. me and told me that, if you could have seen my face, I was like, <laughs> I was at this, like, I was at this coffee shop, this sick ass coffee shop in Salt Lake city. Mm-hmm. And I remember Matt had like, me and Matt had a good relationship, but for the two weeks before this phone call, he had been kind of like standoffish in communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not like ducking calls or anything, but just like a little short, short. It was we I like enough for me to notice. So when he mm-hmm. called me, I was like, okay, something's up. He yeah. called me and uh, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I just want to let you know we just sold the company. Um, he's like, we sold the company to an investor. He's basically just buying the whole company to cannibalize the online retail store of the men's side. Okay. So everybody's getting let go. And he's like, man, and he, as soon as he told me that, I was like, Fuck yes. I was like, dude, at the time, company standard was three months severance. And I was right. like, all right, three months severance. I got like a, a good bit of commission coming in for it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck yeah. And I live in a fucking van. Like, yeah, I could, all cash. Yeah. Dude, all I was, and then, but he's, then he goes, but he's like, he was like, but because we're letting everybody go, he's like, everybody's only going to get 30 days severance. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. That's very, di- <laughs> that's very different. A little different. And then, yeah. but I still had commission. So mm-hmm. like we got off that phone and I was like, 
I'm not gonna lie, like for a second, I was a little bummed and I was like, wait, dude. I was like, I live in a fucking van. I was yeah. like, I can go anywhere. I was yeah, like, yeah. I have no responsibilities. I was like, fuck. And I had like one of my best friends, Ashlyn and Megan were in, uh, I don't think Megan was still there. My friend Ashlyn, dude, she was, she was in Denver. And I called her up and I was like, hey, I was like, I'm coming to you. <laughs> and uh, I went and I was like, went and hung out with her, dude. And, and I remember like this particular night, I was like sleeping on her living room floor and her and her boyfriend were in her room. And I woke up at three in the morning, dude. And I was just like, I got to bike across the country. Yeah. Like it was a crazy, a wild, crazy thought. pull. Like yeah. I had sometimes like things happen. Like the Bruce works invitational. That's the mm-hmm. same thing, dude. Like I had yeah. this like pull to do this, like, um, ruckus relief, like all the things that mm-hmm. I do that are like noteworthy. It's because I have this like pull and it's like, I think about it and it scares me and excites yeah. me at the same time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh shit. Yeah. That's something I have to chase. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I woke up and then. Yeah, dude, just did my shit, and then uh, things happened. Did that? What is it? Nine hundred mile ride from Denver to Austin. The way that I took was a, it was a thousand miles. Okay, gotcha. It was a little over a thousand miles. It was like actually like a little under twelve hundred, but I skipped one hundred and fifty of it because I had crazy issues and had mm. to like pay a friend of a friend of a friend to like drive me an hour and a half yeah. to a bike shop. Gotcha. Um, so I skipped one hundred and fifty of it, but yeah. like, yeah, it was. Dude, I, my, I'm so glad that I didn't know how gnarly it was going in because I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. I, in my head, I'm like, I bike 20, 30 miles a day. I like eat that shit. And right. I go yeah. skate. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's nothing. What's I'm, a thousand? <laughs> I, well, I would just, the way I look at it, I was like, I could do a hundred miles. I've done a hundred miles in a day before one time. I'll just do it point. 10 days in a row. That's yeah. what I thought. I was like, yeah. dude, if I just wake up, start pedaling and just don't stop. Yeah. No way I can't do this in 10 days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what I thought. That's yeah. really, I, I remember telling like Ronnie that. I was yeah. like, dude, this is like, I'm blind. That's all it is. is yeah. Admirable. It was, it was admirable. not, uh, it was, um, it was what you ignorance. didn't know. Yeah. It was what you didn't <laughs> ignorance know. Ignorance yeah. of, yeah, of what I didn't know. And then like, dude, I almost ruptured both Achilles. I had crazy mechanical. I did it on a three speed hybrid, like a beach cruiser. In swimming trunks and in skate swim shoes. In swim trunks and skate shoes. Yeah. Dude, my bike had a coaster brake. Oh like you pedal God. backwards oh, yeah. to stop. Yeah, yeah. I remember I got to Austin and I pulled up at No Comply and my homie Elias, who owns No Comply, shout out Eli. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, I'm not going to lie. He's like, I bet against you solely <laughs> on, based upon your equipment. He's like, I, yeah. he's like, you basically just competed in the X Games and won on a Walmart board. Right. Yeah. That's how he explained it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Okay. And, um, you know, like at the time, the the bike company priority that was that's their like entry level like city hybrid cruiser. Mm, it's meant yeah. for like around town, nothing. Yeah. You know, around nothing, country, not not cross country. <laughs> well, dude, they saw that and they they realized they like oh, they took notice. They're like, yo, yeah. this is buck. Yeah, <laughs> like this yeah, is yeah. not chill. Yeah. So fast forward, little you know, a couple years later, I ended up had a really nice bike that my brother bought for me. Somebody stole it and I I put it out on on Instagram. And they're like, dude, we'll give you a bike. They, they're like, we'll give you a bike. So they sent me a bike and now they, you know, they work with me and they, they're the shit, dude. Yeah. yeah they, they're now yeah. I'm on their like high end, like gravel bike, which is yeah. really nice. <laughs> a little bit better for cross country. Yeah, it's, it's like a whole, it's a whole like Good morning. Hey, if you want to make connections, just bike a thousand miles. Hope someone takes notice. <laughs> oh dude, I made all sorts of That's connections. That's a way to make yeah. business, business connections. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, uh, um, people definitely noticed cause it was like, I mean, It'd be like somebody who who just learned how to ollie being like, all right, I'm going to El Toro, which y'all don't right. know. It's a 20 stair. Yeah. It's like this yeah. giant 
you know, so like anybody who's like knows yeah. anything about that, they're going to pay attention because they're like, this dude's going to kill himself. Right, exactly. This yeah. guy's going to die well. 100%. Yeah, 20 yeah for sure. But it, but it was on the bike, you know, and, yeah. and that was uh, that was honestly a very defining moment in my life and mm-hmm. a chapter of my life in those 12. Every bike ride that I do is a chapter of my life. Yeah, yeah for just, sure. Time just moves differently. Yeah. You said you used that ride to kind of plot out a lot of the rest of your life and what you wanted to do. Yeah. From there, you end up back in Denver woodworking with a friend that's living there yeah so my friend grayson's certain of greyhound goods shout out mm-hmm. shout out grayson um i'm on this bike ride and i'm like designing my life right like thinking about like what do i want to do if i if i had all the money in the world and i didn't have to worry about time how would you spend your day what would your days look like and i'm like all right i'd be healthy i'd eat healthy like i'd be skating i'd be biking and i was like i'd be you know probably making cool shit for my friends and at the time I didn't see how I could make money skateboarding. I didn't see how I can make money cycling. Now I'm kind of like a professional cyclist a little bit. And then, but I was like, man, with woodworking, I was like, I feel like I could make like cool tables and sell them. I, re- I remember thinking that. So I called my friend Grayson. I had interest. I remember when I bought my van, I wanted to make the countertop out of recycled skateboards, but ran out of time. Like I had to get on the road by the end of January for my, my company. So I, I, I shifted gears, but I had an interest like one of the girls I was dating at at the time or one of the, the girl that I was dating at the time. Um, I remember making her this like heart at a recycled skateboards mm. in like 2016. That was the first thing I ever, but I had this, you want to talk about the growth from men. We went from like the ground beef tacos to the heart out of recycled boards. Yeah. You really, you really yeah, leveled up much, your game. I'm still there not much more above that, but um, <laughs> you know, like I, I definitely, the point of that was like, I had interest in recycled skateboards. Right. Like, and I remember like, seeing Hiroshi, he's this mm-hmm. amazing artist. He's like the sickest one in the world mm-hmm. with recycled skateboards. I was like, so inspired by his art. So I'm on this bike ride and I decide like woodworking is what I want to do. And I call my friend Grayson and I'm like, hey dude, like I, he was doing amazing work, but like he was doing smaller items, but the craftsmanship was fucking G shit. Dude, he's, he's, he's such a G. So I hit him up and I'm like, hey man, I'm kind of thinking like, would you be interested in working with me? I was like, I, I was like, I see you doing this stuff out of skateboards. I was like, I just built this van and learned how to do like big shit. I was like, also I'm pretty business mind. I have a good business mindset. I was like, I think we could combine forces and like win. And he was like, dude, honestly, I need that right now. He's like, I kind of need a fire under my ass. And he's like, I've been knowing you for a long time. We've been friends. He's like, let's do it, man. He's like, he's, I was like, all right, I'm gonna call you when I finish this ride he's like yeah you're crazy for that by the way dude he's like i've been watching the he's way, like this is yeah. nuts dude yeah. i'm like i'm like yeah i don't know what i'm doing dude <laughs> so <Figuring> I, it <laughs> out. finished got to austin me and my brother we hopped in his truck like the next day and we rode to baton rouge and we did the palm premiere mm, um nice. the last the last ruckus video that we put mm-hmm. out and then the next day i flew with my bike in a box back to denver and i show up to grayson's shop and he was like killing it, but his shop wasn't really set up to like a wood shop yet. Like mm-hmm. he didn't have even like a workbench. He was doing this amazing work on like this plastic table. Okay. So I like took some money that I, I had and we like invested in some like basically like lumber and a couple small tools. Mm-hmm. And we just started, we rebuilt the whole shop and transitioned it to like a functional wood shop, organized everything. And then 10 days later, we produced our first table. Mm-hmm. And it's sold in like 30 minutes for like two grand. Right. Which is not a lot of money if you think, okay, over two weeks, two dudes split $2,000, sure. 500 bucks a week. That's like 
But for your first piece. But it was like, oh shit, this is like a start. This is something. Happened. Yeah, it right. shows you it's, it's doable. It's like you could build on this. And yeah. then, dude, we just started going. Like, we just started. There was one point where, like, I remember we were working. We were super busy. We had we had orders started coming in. And I remember one point we were working, and I was in the garage, and we were in this phase. We were listening to this these two albums by Cobra Man. Like, on it's it's crazy because I was more into the music. I'm more into it with listening to it with Grayson than I am by myself. Yeah. It was like this. Yeah. He hyped you up. Dude, we, we were just feeding off each and he rips on a skateboard. Okay. He's super good at skateboarding. Yeah. He's nuts, bro. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an epic human being. But, um, I'm sitting there with, we're working and I'm like, I look over, I'm like, Hey dude, like, do you want to go skate? I was like, we yeah. haven't taken off in like three months. <laughs> yeah. Like we literally hadn't stopped working. We worked every ass. single day for like yeah. three months straight. Like we were just like, because I parked my van in the front of his house. Mm-hmm. His garage was our wood shop. Mm-hmm. Dude, we'd wake up at right seven in the morning and just yeah. start crushing and out. Start, and just yeah. like, and we were vibing. Like we were, me mm-hmm. and him were just like feeding off each other and pushing each other. And um, he's like, yeah, dude. And then, you know, fast forward, like a couple months later, I'm, I met this girl and I kind of felt a pull to go home. But this was like definitely the catalyst. And I was like, man, I kind of want to like see where this goes. But she was back here in Lafayette. So I went back to Grayson. I had come home to do a project. Um, I made the curved shelf, the curved board wall at, at Ruckus in Baton Rouge. Um, and while I was here, me and this girl had been hanging out and I went home. I ended up, I came, I was supposed to be here for like 10 days. I stayed here for like three weeks. I went back to, to Denver and I was like, yo, Grayson, I was like, I'm pretty into this chick. And I was like, I'm feeling this like pull, but I was like, honestly, I'm at the point where I'm ready to sell my van and invest and go all in with you and like get a wood shop out here or like go home and chase this and see where this goes and start my own thing. But I was like, I'm down to do this with you. Like, you just like, what are you thinking? He was like, dude, honestly, I love working with you. And he's like, it's a great business partnership, but he's like, as your friend, bro, he's like, if I was you, I would go home, man. He's like, I would chase that love and go be around your family. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you know, of course I'd want to keep working with you, but if you're across country, you know, I'm like, yeah, naturally. Yeah, really I was like, all right, well then that's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. So I moved back here. I hit up my dad and I was like, he had a, a wood shop or a shop in his backyard. It wasn't mm-hmm. a wood shop. It was basically yeah. like a storage shed. There couldn't, there was like, it was crazy. You couldn't even like get to the workbench. There was like this little path. <laughs> it sounds like a dad shop. Shimmy in a shop. Like everywhere, you know. a dad Absolute shop, dad shop. Yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> a dad shop. And um, I hit I hit him up and I was like, dad, like I kind of want to come home and um, would it be okay if I use the shop? And he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's not like a wood shop. It's right. not yeah. set up. Yeah. He's like, I've already made one. I'll do yeah. it. <laughs> and I was like, like I was I like, yeah, it. I'll do it. And uh, dude, I, I went home and I, I took out, learned a very valuable lesson. I took out a very bad loan, terrible loan, um, and bought some tools though. But um, yeah, I took out that loan, like bought these tools and started cleaning up the shop and organizing enough and started working and started making small stuff. And then just, you know, started my Instagram and paid my friend Justin to build me a website and just kept going. And then you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are all these years later. Yeah. It's like, it's been uh, almost five years. Yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll never stop what I'm doing. I love. I think this. probably like two of the things I find most interesting about your woodworking aside from the craft itself and the way it looks is that one, I think when I look at your life, you can see this through line of relationships and how that all kind of comes into play. Like yeah. working at Ruckus, those relationships leading to Volcom and Grand mm-hmm. X and then doing woodworking 
all of your relationships you made there leading to being able to source all of these skateboards Correct. that you get. So. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent how it happened, man. Yeah. Like, so I'm a sales rep at the time, right? My number one account was Army Air Force. That's the number one retailer in the world. Most people don't know that, but they of which have like, company you were working for at the time? Um, for Volcom, I'm referring for Vol- to. Okay, yeah, that was that's no- what. Any answer was going to confuse me, but I need to understand here. Why is the Army Air Force buying so much Volcom? So they have these like stores on the base, right? I forget what they're called, like OpX or something like that. They have these these stores where anybody who lives on the base can go and, and purchase stuff. And it's it's kind of sick because it's an isolated market. Like you and I couldn't go in there unless you're you know work you're in the military. So as a brand, it's cool because you can sell to them and it doesn't mess up the distribution with your other accounts. But they're also the world's largest retailer. Like they 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 purchase more than than like Walmart. It's crazy. So um, like I'm working with them. I'm working with like Dillard's, like mm-hmm. um, Macy's, like big box stores like that. But the the dudes who I really wanted to talk to and mm-hmm. really wanted to work with are the guys that like are doing very small numbers in comparison to those guys. So I shouldn't be spending much time with them, but mm-hmm. I did because they're. Dudes who own skate shops. Right. Yeah. They're like nerdy enough about skateboarding yeah. to make it their whole life just like I am. So yeah. naturally, like, that's who I want to be that's around. Like, to. This is my people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these are my dogs. Yeah. So over the years, you know, like, of course, like, I would do what needed to be done and do my meetings with Dillard's and AFIS and that's Army Air Force. And, uh, but I would, like, when I'm on the road seeing those guys, I'm like, Teddy at the board house. Yo, Teddy, let me stay with you. Can I come stay on your couch? Let's go skate, dude. Or like, uh, you know, like any shop around, dude, like Shorty Jones Deli or like any any of these shops, dude. Um, that's who I wanted to, to spend time with. So I, that's who I built relationships with. Yeah. It was easy. It wasn't like yeah. forced. It was organic, man. Mm-hmm. It was like, those are the guys I wanted to hang out with. So fast forward, when I, when I start needing skateboards, I start hitting up my friends that own skate shops. I'm like, hey, dude, Daniel over at Relief. Hey, mm-hmm. man, can you just all these, can you just save up the skateboards for me and not throw them away? Right. Because yeah. when a kid comes and gets a new deck, they throw their old one away most right. of the time. Yeah. There's probably a stack over there, like from kids here. So yeah. it's like rather than than them ending up in the landfill, I Do just something with pay them. to have them shipped to us yeah. and then we create art out of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's kind of how I'm able to have this like steady supply because mm-hmm. people hit me up all the time. And I've put it out there on the internet a million times, like, where do you get all these skateboards right, from? Yeah. And I'm like, Honestly, if you got to ask, you'll never be able to. Yeah. You'll never, you just don't have it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you kind of have to be like in skateboarding in some fashion to even approach these guys. To get you know? connected with yeah. all that. So yeah. it's well, like, and I think it's like you using like one passion to just fuel the next passion. Like, dude, that's, so like that's how all the work, like yeah. all of my shits. with all the places you've been to have accumulated to where you are now. So it's like create one thing, invest all of everything of you into this thing, collect the dividends later. Kind of, no. yeah. I, I, a hundred percent of my life intertwines together mm-hmm. for sure. Like, yeah, the cycling. Like, it's funny because I'm like probably the gnar. Like, I'm pretty gnarly at cycling, but it's the thing that I'm like the least nerdy about. Like, I don't even yeah. know parts on a bike, dude. Yeah. I go to the bike shop. I'm like, I need this. Thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't look at See magazines. How that's broken? One of those. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, this thing's broken. I don't know what this is called. But I need it. And, yeah, but I'm like probably the just most naturally talented at that. Yeah, but I like. Don't look at magazines. Like, I don't know companies. Mm-hmm. I don't know shit, dude. Yeah. But, like, with skateboarding and woodworking, I'm, like, full fucking nerd, dude. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, my yeah. God. This guy rides <laughs> for them. You know? <laughs> and, like, I love it. Like, yeah. I love it, dude. Yeah. Um, 
To your point of all the people like who have a lot of questions about like your woodworking and process and stuff like that. I like watching you answer all the Q and A's and that's really cool. But something I heard you say before, which I'd never thought about. And I think you think most people don't think about is that your operation is a bit different from the traditional woodworker because you're making the lumber, Mm -hmm. which is wild to think about. So I don't know if you'd thought about this or considered this. A lot of people who do woodworking, you go to home Depot, Lowe's, wherever you get your wood from and you start, they're making the wood. Like that's just the first yeah, step that's why, and that's, that's such like, a labor intensive process. And then you start from there. Yeah. So pe- people have no idea. They see the prices and they're like, what? Yeah. It's crazy. I'm like, dog, just to get the skateboards is a process. Right. Like, yeah. Just to get them is a process. Mm-hmm. Then every single skateboard, you got to take the grip tape off mm-hmm. and you have to take all the stickers off on the bottom. You got to use an angle grinder and grind off all the sticky residue on the top, the yeah. clear coat on the top and the paint mm-hmm. on the bottom. Then you have a piece of lumber. Then you have a piece of wood that you can glue to another piece of wood. Right. Yeah. So you do that with like ten or twelve or fifteen or whatever decks. You have a bunch of like pump jacks that you use. Gl- yeah. yeah. Then you have to have a special press that you have to build. Mm-hmm. Then you then you can glue them together. And then it's basically mm-hmm. like starting with a log and milling. Right. And then now I got to now we can start. And then That's I have crazy. my wood, and now I can start the project. Yeah. Like, flat plane the, it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you, you know pe- people have no idea, but like I make my lumber. And then I make the, then I do the artistic stuff, right. you know, the woodworking stuff, which is like super, you know, and labor intensive. And like, you have to, it's a, it's, it's not like an immediate, it's a delayed gratification. Like yeah, it's, for sure. some sure. of these things are like months and months. Yeah. And yeah months I mean, depending on, I mean, like you said, I mean, perfect example by here. Exactly. I mean, thousands, I'm sure of boards to make. Not thousands on this one, but definitely like hundreds. Like you could, there's yeah. hundreds in this. You know, like, well, you know, crazy to make this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. small area of a shelf, which For is sure. you know just long. It's super, super labor yeah. intensive. I, I mean, I love it, and we've like developed a process to where we've gotten it streamlined. You know, and we we've we've made it as as uh, as so. You know, I'm sure there's better ways to do it, but yeah, progressed and gotten it to where it's like it's streamlined. You know. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, people don't understand that. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> sure. Because they're like, I'm sure not. this bowl, yeah. God, this bowl is $600. I'm yeah. like, yeah, dude. I was yeah. like, go make one. And then holler at me. I was like, you can't make this in a day, dog. No. You cannot do it. Yeah. I was like, this takes like a week, bro. And I was like, think yeah. about what you make in a week, like right. on just a normal ass job. Yeah. I was like, now imagine you have employees, expenses, you know, mm-hmm. home, like all this. I was like, yeah, you, you have to. Like, this right. is like what I'm not like. You know, the, the people, like people, it's, uh, it's stuff that like over time people might understand, but start to grip it. Like I just don't talk about it that much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think probably before we start wrapping up here, the last thing that we really want to touch on is the Bruce works invitational October 7th, right outside this window here, downtown Lafayette. So tell us a little bit again, how did that idea come about and what has that process been like building up to it? And what's the day going to be like? So again, that, so everything, so I'm on, I'm doing a bike ride last, this past November, Mm -hmm. I biked all over Texas. We raised like, um, almost 30, like 20 something grand Mm -hmm. and to give kids free skateboards. Yeah. And, um, I'm on this bike ride. It was like 800, 810 miles all over Texas designing my life, thinking about life. And it came to me. I'm like, man, I want to, I want to like do something really cool for my city. And I want to like invite all my friends who own skate shops and, and pay the guys who come skate it. Like I, my, my initial goal was to actually give every single person who shows up a check. 
even if it's like 25 bucks, I'm like, dude, pay for your travel, pay, figure out how to get your food and stuff for free, show you a good time and give you a little money. Like that was my goal because I'm like, that just, it just makes, it just, it's, people just feel cool, dude. Like I just wanted to like stoke my friends out and the, and people that I don't even know, but I know that like would appreciate it. So I'm on that bike ride and I start thinking about like, okay, what could I do? And then I was like, oh, I'll just make the world's biggest table out of recycled skateboards. Yeah. And I'll just let people skate it. I was like, yeah. well, let's shut down the street, make Spread it on it. front street and invite people and pay them to come skate a $30,000 table. Yeah. Like, let's like make something crazy. Yeah. And, and just, you know, and then I was like, okay, how I'll work with like, who can I work with to like mm-hmm. create a marketing, a marketing partnership? How many businesses ca- can I like work with to where they get increased business? Mm-hmm. You know, can I invite art vendors and food vendors to come make money? Mm-hmm. Just like anything that I do. Involving I try, everyone. Yeah. I try to design to where everybody wins. I'm yeah. often the last person to win. Right. Cause I'm like, I feel like I'm already winning yeah. just by getting to do what I want to do. By having this thing happen. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm already winning, you know? So like. I'm just like, all right, how can I make it to where everybody can eat? Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of where it, it came to me in, in November. And I approached Red Bull about it in December and began the process. So I've been working on it for like almost a year. And then I approached the city. I got downtown Lafayette and Lafayette Travel involved and, you know, just stoked them out on the idea, told them the vision. And, you know, I, I used like the, the, I'm like, hey, man, like I left this place because it wasn't cool and there wasn't opportunity. And I was like, and I'm not the only one. And I cited somebody that I met that started this business that does hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm like, that dude left because there wasn't bike lanes here. Yeah. Like there wasn't shit to do here. Think of how much tax revenue the city missed out on. Yeah. That could have, we could have built bike lanes. That guy's tax revenue. I'm like the, we need to like make this place cool, man. And Mm -hmm. keep, because Lafayette breeds amazing, artistic, creative, and and just like, genius people like yeah. it breeds it bro but there's no opportunity I'll put so back into it yeah, yeah so the people that have that like spark they're like dude they go look for it here. elsewhere they, they go elsewhere you know, i did it and yeah. I, you know i came yeah, back sure. because of my family and shit mm-hmm. but like so i'm i you know when i approached the city that's what i told them you know that's what i you know sold to them and then i also like i'm like yo i like touch like millions of people online like let's like use this to make it look cool so Got them on board, and then yeah, over time we've just been like working, getting it, getting it dialed, and it's yeah. coming together. I'm really excited awesome. for it. We've got uh, 18 skate shops from all over the southeast. Mm-hmm. They're coming in. We we should have anywhere between 75 and 100 skaters that are invited to come skate, and then mm-hmm. all the local guys like they'll be here too, and they'll they'll be a free skate for the last couple hours of the day where anybody who shows up can go skate during the contest. It's only going to be the shop riders mm-hmm. that the shops bring. Um, and there'll be a couple pros here as well, but, but, uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's going to be sick. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm, I'm pumped to, to do something cool for my city. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. We're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome. Day. Yeah. You guys should come. I got wristbands for you. I'm planning on being here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think, like you said, the biggest thing to me, especially I think now where I'm at is trying to invest where I'm from rather than trying to like, there's nothing here. Um, which I think like breeds kind of what you were talking I think about, that's but age, man, that I new, think that's like be the change I, you want to see in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah There's 100%. no opportunity. Okay. Well, perfect. I can do almost anything yeah. because I have a fresh idea. Now, obviously you have to have a city that's open to one to expand, but my they biggest are. thing is yeah. why yeah. leave the place that you love so much that like you says, 
has this amazing environment that creates uh, beautiful people, amazing art, and has those opportunities. But people are like, if there's no beginning, I have to leave to go somewhere. Um, but it, once you can establish yourself, come back, make it to where, okay, the people coming up behind me, they've got at least a starting point and For I sure. can handle when I'm done making this beginning, I hand off the baton. You 100%. make the next step, you know, yeah, and that's like yeah, that. Definitely. I, I feel this like crazy socioeconomic responsibility now dude, to make my city cool and to provide a, a, a real opportunity for, for, for people who want to be in skateboarding in some fashion or be, be in like this subculture and be able to make a healthy living. Like I, I'm, doing the math. I was like, how can I pay Leo a hundred thousand dollars a year? Like that, like how can I, what do I need to do to be able to pay Leo a hundred thousand dollars a year, which isn't nothing in the grand scheme of things, but I'm like, that's at least enough to where he can get started and create opportunity. So I'm like, if I can create opportunity for him to where he can create opportunity for himself and his people, then I'm, I'm winning dude. And like, that's my, that's like my mission right now is like, there's like, you know, I, I just, I see, that's what's so cool about Lafayette. It breeds this like, there's such a special person that comes mm-hmm. from here, man. Yeah, like absolutely. I would say like some of the best skateboarders in the South come from Lafayette, mm-hmm. but then there's like a lot of times they fizzle cause there's like no opportunity, but like, yeah. dude, like, like Jordan Tronhaw is from, yeah. from here, dude. Yeah. He's like one of my favorite dudes to watch on a skateboard. Mm-hmm. He's like the gnarliest. It's so sick, dude. And he, it's like, it, it comes from this like, because there's nothing here and you got to like create it, it makes you think differently. And it like, he's like, you know, it's a perfect example. He's like one of the gnarliest dudes in the world. And it's like, he's from here because there was nothing. He skates differently than anybody else. So, you know, the sea of sameness out there of like just a really good dude from Southern California is skating rail stairs, whatever. They look at him. They're like, dude, what? That's crazy. How can he do that? That's amazing. You know, and people notice that. And, and, and people like that come from here all the time. But like I said, a lot of times it fizzles because there's, mm-hmm. there's no infrastructure, there's no opportunity. It. Yep. So it's like, that's you see the mission. The, you, see the, you see the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you see, I mean? you see that there's like an ink, there's like, there's a cap, you know, and yeah. then I'm really trying to like bust through that ceiling and fucking make it open. Right. To where exactly. Like, yeah. Yo, dude, if you want to do some cool shit, like. Here's a, here we could do it, you know. So yeah. that's like 100 percent what my yeah. mission is right now in life. That's what I love. <laughs> yeah. That's what I love so much. Like I said, is trying to stay where I'm at, but make it better. Yeah, you know, no, what I'm I mean? like, like find find the areas that need improvement, find the areas where there's nothing, but provide that. You know, try yeah. to try to make the connections. I want to keep those special people here yeah. and make yeah. Lafayette more special because yeah. that's perfect. There's a lot of them. There's so many, like you mm-hmm. know, and, and instead of them going to Colorado or Texas or you know California or whatever. Like, yo, let's build this place and make it sick because Lafayette has shit that, like, I, I say it all the time. I'm like, dude, you can go into, a, if you're not from here, you can go into any restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's just the food reference is the easiest thing. But you can go into yeah. any restaurant, you look at the menu, and you're going to see words you've never seen in your life. You're like, yeah. what the hell is boudin? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What the yeah. fuck is that, dude? Yeah. Like, people not from here, there's, there's this culture here that's so rich and unique and so yeah. vibrant and so special but it's lacking the resources to create the opportunities. So it's like, it's kind of been stagnant and we're at the point now where like everybody that's, that's in city council, everybody that's working for the city, all the business owners, like all, like all the people here see it and understand like, okay, this is our time to build. This is our time to build. And what's rad 
is it's small. Like, dude, yeah. I can close down the street, the right. main street exactly. in Lafayette, yeah. and downtown. throw a fucking skateboard contest. Yeah. Sick. Dude, to do that in Austin, that would cost you 10 million bucks. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you can't just, like, ask a homie. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like, here yeah. it's, like, it's that, and it's so rad because it's, like, okay, we can use, like, we can actually use our weaknesses as our strengths. Yeah. Be- okay, yeah. there's not much opportunity. Mm-hmm. Easy to create it then. Yep. Right. Yeah, if you exactly, create anything, yeah. you're it's like going to be no shiny. Lane, yeah. Got a blank page. Yep. Exactly. So like I'm, that's you know that's just like what I'm on, dude. I, I love yeah. this place. Um, super special, and I want to make it cool, bro. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. I think that's a beautiful place to end it. Okay. So perfect. Thank you guys. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you Thank again. You, Ryan. Oh, Thank yeah. you again for coming yeah, on the show. You for being um, here. If you yeah. want, I know we just talked Bruce Works Invitational. That camera right there. If you've got anything coming up that you want to plug, um, anything coming up? No, I just yeah, Bruce Works Invitational, October seventh. Um, you guys come through. Anybody's going to be able to skate it towards the end. There'll be a two hour two hour session for anybody who wants to skate. Um, I want to give a big shout out to all the skate shops that work with me, all my friends who, who own those skate shops, all the skateboarders that I know. Um, I want to give a shout out to Red Bull, Priority Bikes. Um, yeah, everybody who, who works with me, man, I, I really appreciate everything and uh, all the clients who have bought something from me or the people who have just seen my social media and, and engaged with it at any level. Uh, I appreciate you guys because y'all are all allowing me to live out my dream and I'm going to do my best to take whatever resources I can get from living out my dream and help other people live their dream. So much love. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, man. Really yeah, appreciate you coming you. on the show. This has been a great time. Woo, appreciate, it. You. appreciate it. Appreciate it. There you go. For everyone out there watching, we will have links to all of Daniel's socials down in the comments and the bio below. Make sure if you're watching, you are subscribed to the channel. If you're uh, on one of the podcast platforms that you're following, Another episode of Shoe Podcast. We'll catch you all in the next one. Peace.